Hi, my name is Stacey O'Byrne. I'm author of Secrets Becoming a Master Networker and host of Sell Without Selling podcast. And if you want to learn how to define your best life and have the courage to live it, you should be listening to the More Than Corporate podcast with my dear friend, Amber Furman. Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast, where we discuss finding fulfillment, defining success, and living your best life. There's no roadmap to success, no one-size-fits-all answer to fulfillment. I believe it requires us all to be vulnerable and authentic about what we want to accomplish and have the courage to step out of our comfort zone to chase our dreams. Keep listening to hear stories from inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. Guys, I am so freaking excited. This is episode 100. I started this podcast last August, almost a year ago. And to think that I've made it to episode 100 is freaking amazing. And all of the really cool conversations that I've had along the way and the solo episodes that I've reflected on my journey and learned so much from. And it really has been an absolutely fantastic year and 100 episodes. So I'm going to be doing for my solo episode on Friday, a recap of my favorite parts of the first 100 episodes of the More Than Corporate podcast. So be sure to tune into that this upcoming Friday. Today, I have a really exciting interview. I am so excited to release this as episode 100. My coach, my mentor, a really good friend of mine, Miss Stacey O'Byrne, is my 100th episode. And this interview was so much fun to do. Stacey is one of the nation's leading experts in entrepreneurial transformation, evolution, and success. She is an international inspirational speaker who specializes in success the science of success. Stacy has authored several best-selling books, with a few being released soon. Her co-authored book with Jack Canfield was released late February, and she also co-authored a book with Jay Abrahams, which is being released late spring. Stacy is a trainer, best-selling author, certified NLP master trainer, team referral network, San Diego, Phoenix, Arizona, Las Vegas, Nevada, Orange County, and Long Beach, California franchise owner, and a U.S. Army veteran. Stacy has built two seven-figure businesses and three six-figure businesses, 100% from networking. She has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs, helping them create the success they desire and deserve. Stacy helps entrepreneurs, salespeople, and business owners make shift happen in their lives, businesses, and bank accounts. If you mean business about business, Stacy can help you make your dreams a reality. Stacy's passion is working with amazing entrepreneurs. I can't say enough good things about Stacey O'Byrne. And no matter what I say, it would not do her justice. So instead, we're just going to go ahead and head into her interview. Before we do that, I want to take just a minute to let you know that my Define Your Life Mastermind is launching again September 1st. We are in the middle of one that previously launched that is just so much fun. So the Define Your Life Mastermind is designed to help you get really, really clear on exactly what it is that you want out of life. What does success mean to you? What does your ideal career look like to you? What does it feel like to have this well-rounded life where everything falls together? 
So many people start chasing accomplishments, just jumping in and starting to do things without a game plan because they think that the close, the more that they accomplish, the closer that they'll be to that feeling of success. I always compare this to getting in your car and driving to a place that you've never been without any GPS and with your eyes closed. You are never going to get there. You're going to have so many road bumps along the way, and you're very much setting yourself up for this like horrible crash landing. So in Instead of doing that, what if you could get very clear on exactly what you wanted, have the mentorship of not only myself, but other experts in areas related to business, entrepreneurship, well-rounded life, and be able to pick their brains and have the opportunity to learn from them, to have a community of people who are also working on living their best life to support you as you move through your goals. It is an absolutely fantastic opportunity to join a mastermind, to be able to learn what it's all about, define your life, build a business around the life you want to have, and then have the courage to go out there and execute that plan. I cannot wait to work with you guys. If this is something that you're interested in, go to defineyourlife.morethancorporate.com. You can either sign up there or you can book a call with me so that we can discuss any questions that you have and make sure that we're a good fit together. I'm really, really looking forward to talking to you guys. Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this interview with Stacy. Stacy, thank you so much for coming on the show with me. I really appreciate it. Amber, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure I, to be here. I am so excited to have you here. So people heard your intro. Um, what they don't know from the intro is that you're kind of the mastermind behind my success, at least part of it. So um, I'm super excited for you to share some of your insight and impact the listeners the same way that you have me. So thank you for taking the time to be here. No, thanks so much. I'm excited. So let's go back a little bit. I mean, you have so much in your story that we talked about in the intro and you're so involved in this world of networking, but also this world of the, you know, neuro-linguistic programming, which for those who don't know, I, I describe as the way the words that we say and the thoughts that we think impact the actions that we take. How did you get into that? Was it always something that you wanted to do or how did you find that world? Hmm. So I think neurolinguistics programming actually found me. Uh, to make a long story short, uh, as you know, I'm a veteran. And when I got out of the military, I got out of the military diagnosed with two different forms of post-traumatic stress. And PTSD, uh, both combat-related and sexual trauma-related, uh, both really put me in a position to where I really didn't want to live anymore. Uh, Every day getting out of bed, I had to make a decision. Why not just end it today? And therapy wasn't working. Talk therapy wasn't working. Nothing was working. And I found myself one day in a sales training. And this trainer, everything they said just made me drop to my knees and ball at a sales training. We're learning negotiations, communications, and closing, and I'm bawling my eyes out. And at break... He pulled me aside and we went outside and uh, he looked at me and he goes, you're really in the wrong training right now. And I said, no, I'm here to learn how to close. And he goes, you have a lot of trauma in your life. And I said, we all have baggage. And he goes, no, I can tell you have PTSD. And I said, well, thanks for the diagnosis, but I've had it for a while. And um, after talking to him, I realized that everything he was saying, everything he was doing, everything he was communicating was all 
based off neurolinguistics programming, which is how you communicate with the unconscious mind. It's the science and study of human excellence. And because he was talking directly to my unconscious mind, my unconscious mind started responding. And because it was responding, it was pulling me in because it knew it needed to be heard. And that's where my journey started. And then it just grew and developed from there. My first training I was in, I was hook, line, and sinker in. And then as I started evolving and it started impacting me personally and professionally, I went bigger and I went deeper. And I ended up getting certified by 11 boards and becoming a master trainer in seven boards and swore I would never train neurolinguistics programming. <laughs> and fast forward 11 years later, I'm still training neurolinguistics programming. <laughs> I definitely, I, that's the role that I know you in, but I can't imagine a Stacy that doesn't want to train this because I know how passionate you are about it now. And so to go back to a headspace where you didn't think this was going to be your future, it's one of the reasons that I love asking these questions because I feel like sometimes we get lost. We feel lost in the fact that life's not turning out the way we want it to be mm -hmm. just to find out that it's turning out the way it's supposed to. Exactly. Exactly. So... I want to talk about something before we move on. I want to talk about something that you just said, because um, I think it's so powerful. You know, and the listeners know that as far as my story is concerned, I spent a lot of time in therapy and mm -hmm. then I found you and this training and ended up really dealing with the underlying issues. And I'm a huge proponent of therapy, but I'm also a huge proponent of understanding its role. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about what you meant when you said you went through a lot of therapy and then you found out that you were in the wrong class in this training and without knowing you're not a therapist, and that you're not mm -hmm. licensed to diagnose, like mm -hmm. what you think the roles are between therapy and NLP? I think they both have their place. I, I, I think for, for neurolinguistics programming, for me, it was, it was very powerfully, it was a very powerful foundation, both personally and professionally. Uh, I had the realization a long time ago that where I went, I followed. And Everywhere I went, there I was. My behaviors, my patterns, my history, uh, the way I showed up, the way I communicated with people, the way I continued to manifest lessons that didn't help me. And all NLP allowed me to do was not only talk differently with myself, also allow myself to talk differently with others so that I showed up differently to allow others to show up differently. And really, they never showed up differently. I just allowed myself to see them differently. It helped me learn that everything is really about me. Everything in my life, I make a choice whether or not to create, manifest good, create, manifest bad. Talk therapy, talk therapy has its place by no means. As you said, I am not a doctor. I do not diagnose. I just know that History is a very powerful gift. We can either choose to enjoy it, unwrap it, use it to our benefit, or wear it to our detriment. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And before we move on, you mentioned the unconscious mind. Can you explain to people the difference between the conscious mind and the unconscious mind before we go further into this conversation? Sure, absolutely. So our conscious mind is our conscious awareness. Our conscious mind actually controls 10% of our life. Unfortunately, it's arrogant enough to think it controls 100% of our life. Our unconscious mind runs 90% of our life, 
it, run, it has the blueprint to our body. Think about it. Who's beating your heart? Who's putting air in your lungs? Who's running the blood through your veins? If you had to do it consciously, you'd be dead in three minutes because it would look like this. Work, work, talk, talk. Oh, heartbeat. Work, work. Oh, breathe. Oh, work, work, talk. Oh, blood flow. Heartbeat. Oh, crap, I'm dead. That's kind of what it would look like consciously. So our unconscious mind is that voice in our head. And if I may so lovingly call it my favorite, my favorite phrase for it, it's the itty bitty shitty committee that lives in our head. The voice in the head, the one that we learned a long time ago not to listen to. And fortunately, unfortunately, depending on the relationship you have with it, it either serves you or works against you because it does run 90% of your life. And when you, when you allow yourself to create that conscious unconscious integration, the conscious unconscious awareness, and the two minds start working together, that's where the real magic is. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think for me, one of the most important things was having that therapeutic um, experience before mm -hmm. I started doing NLP training because I had learned how to handle my emotions. Mm -hmm. um, but if we're talking about the conscious and unconscious mind, we obviously know that change doesn't happen consciously. So I felt like I was learning how to handle emotions like this. Mm -hmm. I, I was putting a bandaid on it or wrapping up this like bleeding problem. Mm -hmm. um, but I wasn't actually stopping the bleed. And I feel like that's what NLP allowed me to do was once I had control over my emotions and I wasn't panicking and having anxiety attacks anymore and I could function, mm -hmm. that NLP allowed me to go in and fix or deal with some of the underlying issues that were causing those things in the first place. Would you agree with that assessment of the difference between them? Yeah. I mean, I, I wholeheartedly believe in therapists and psychology and talk therapy. I think they have a beautiful place. I also think that it's important to know that when you're part of the problem, you can't be part of the solution. And my whole intention for starting my company, Pivot Point Advantage, and for stepping into training neurolinguistics programming was 100% for business purposes. I always wanted to avoid the personal transformation aspect. However, you heard me say earlier, where we go, we follow, and everywhere we go, there we are. So reality is the person, the person, so the person serves the professional, so that the professional can serve the personal. So I always tell people, you know what, the personal drives the professional so that the personal, so the professional can serve the personal. And what happens is you have to, you get to clean up that, that personal arena because it's going to show up in every facet, every aspect of your life as a strategy, whether it's a strategy that serves you or works against you. Yeah, I love that so much. And for anybody that's listening, you know, we talk so much about being able to define your best life so that you can go out there and live it. And this is unfortunate. Well, I don't want to say unfortunately, this is one of the things that you get to do in mm -hmm. order to be able to figure out what this means to you, what this life means to you. Um, we can't ignore the parts of our life that we don't want to deal with if we want to have that well-rounded experience. So you have your company, Pivot Point Advantage. You have mm -hmm. trainings for NLP. Mm -hmm. um, you do all kinds of amazing work in this area, but you also have just as big of a presence in the networking world. How did you find networking and how did that come about for you? So networking kind of found me too. <laughs> uh, I'm a cereal entrepreneur. I mean, and that does not mean that I eat cereal for breakfast or every <laughs> meal. It just means that I, I love diversification. 
So uh, when I got out of the military and when I got out of corporate America, uh, I had plugged into a, a very distressed printing company. And the owner of the printing company that I ended up partnering with uh, was very bad with money. And I had made the decision that I wasn't going to insert my personal finances into that company to market it and to grow it. So I had started going out, venturing into the entrepreneurial world and word of mouth marketing and networking and referral marketing. And it's kind of how I found the networking arena. And because of my studies in human behavior and my studies in neuroscience and neurolinguistics programming, I ended up reverse engineering how the entrepreneur showed up in the environment so that I could work the environment to make it not only work for me, but work for them as well. So that's kind of how I got plugged into it. And within 18 months, I had, uh, I had built a distressed company from $185,000 a year in gross sales, $197,000 in debt, to about a $1.2 million thriving company. And then three, three and a half years after that, we had it. We had it at about 3.6, 3.8 million. And then I crushed my ham with a 300 pound box, needed seven surgeries to rebuild it, jumped into direct sales, started making about 30, 20, $30,000 a month in two, three months, and then started my training company because everybody kept coming up to me going, how are you doing this? What are you doing? So I started teaching people how to network. And was your networking experience, did that come before or after you started to learn the neuro-linguistic programming side of things? So I had studied NLP. I had been trained in it, certified in it by a multitude of boards, then uh, got into the printing company, networked, hadn't trained NLP, then got into direct sales, networked, grew that business, started studying NLP again then started my company Pivot Point, started training, sales, leadership, communication, networking, still studying NLP, swearing I would never train NLP. <laughs> you're, you're a little delved in there for somebody who's not going to train it, right? Know, like that right? thing that's right in front of us that we can't admit. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've never seen that before. Never no, been a part of that. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> so I love asking this question to people that are in the networking world because I think the rest of us, um, we kind of think of networking as this like stuffy boardroom where people go and throw around business cards. And while that's business cards are a part of networking, it's so much more than that. So to you, when you think about networking, what do you think about? Leverage and reciprocity. So I from love it. I love that you just, no, I was just going to say, I love that you put those two together. So I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead and finish. So for me, you know, so when I was in corporate America, because I know your podcast more than corporate, right? When I was in corporate America, networking was we would go to customer parties. We would get all the competition dr drunk. We would find out who the top performers were, get them even more drunk, offer them jobs. They'd go up to their boss, quit, then come work for us. It was beautiful strategy. Business always grew. So when I left corporate America and started venturing into entrepreneurism and started ending up in these networking environments, I couldn't figure out where the bars were. I was like, why is there no alcohol here? And somebody walked up to me and they're like, well, it's because it's a professional environment. And I just sat there scratching my head like, 
what I was in before wasn't. I was really confused. <laughs> you know, I the the one thing that that I learned very quickly, remember I studied human behavior for a very long time, was that I always felt like I was walking into a poker room. People were just dealing out cards and some people were like those those uh those peepers that walked around in jackets, the flashers, and they would just flash their jacket and go pick a card, any card. And they'd, they'd be like jacks of all trade and masters of none. And you never knew what was under the coat. While others would net sell, net desperate, net communicate, net beg, net vomit. They would do everything but network and net connect. And I found out that when you really showed up and really utilize the environment to sift and sort because that's all those environments are those environments are like fishing nets that you get to throw your net out meet as many people as possible sift and sort potential power partner not potential power partner potential referral partner not potential referral partner and as you sifted and sorted you kind of started finding the diamonds in the rough see because i'm going to lovingly say there's a couple different types of people that show up there. You have your entrepreneurs who are truly dedicated and get leverage and get reciprocity. And then you have your entrepreneurs that are just desperate and they show up and throw up or they spray and pray. <laughs> and, and for me, for me, networking is all about utilizing your social currency and deploying it out so that it nets in net currency. Yeah, that's that's a super powerful way to describe it. And can you talk about, you said networking and net connecting. Can you talk about the difference between those two? Absolutely. So, you know, when we go to events, when we go to events, the sole purpose there is to meet as many people as possible in that environment and invest anywhere from like three to five minutes per person. So you're kind of, I'm going to, I'm going to lovingly say coin collecting center of influence networking. You're, you're coin collecting while you're there and you're, you're just kind of sifting and sorting. Uh, how, how do they look at networking? Did they, did they, were they interested in me? Did they talk to me? Did they communicate? Was their eye contact? Were they professional? Are they in an industry where there's, uh, potential reciprocation, alignment, and congruency. Uh, do they share similar values to me? See, all of that is 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 where we go in and we're working the room, right? We're connecting with people. The real work happens when we leave there. That's where networking really happens because then we take those those connections, the net connections. We take those and we start applying the work, the follow-up, the appointments, the getting to know each other, the building, the like, and the trust factor, uh, seeing if the referability is, is, is open from a two-way street and that they really get it and they're not just, you've met those people, the people that have those hidden agendas that the second you say something, they go right for the throat to sell you. Those aren't people I want to connect with because if they're going to do it to me, who has a database of 40,000 people that I can open up to people, then they're going to do it to someone else. And reality is you're just a mere reflection of me and I'm going to protect my image because I've invested an immense amount of resources 
to develop that likability factor within my database. So I net connect so that I can network. I really like that you described the difference between those because I certainly didn't understand the difference when I started networking. And I know when I started, because there's always that learning curve, I thought that that meeting that I was going to was networking. And what I realized is that the amount of people that are actually willing to follow up is a small percentage of the people that's actually in that room. And there could be a lot of Sorry about that. There could be a lot of different reasons for that. And it could be, you know, lack of knowledge, or it could be that they fall in one of those two categories that you described and that they're just in that room. But it took me a long time to realize that the networking and the value was actually in that Mm follow-up. And then when I realized that I had a hard time doing it because of my perceptions of being shy, do I have any value to them? So for that new networker that's out there, My um, traffic is going crazy today. For that new networker that's out there that is going to these events and isn't really sure what to do afterwards, what is a simple tip that you have for them for how they can get the most out of a networking event? Hmm. So that's a really good question. And, And I'll share with you that it falls back to what I wrote in my book. And a lot of entrepreneurs carry their business cards. I don't. I carry what I coined in my book as my cart. So the C is for congruency. I'm going to show up and who you're going to meet is me. And what I mean by that is I am 100% congruent with who I am, how I show up, what I do, how I serve. There's full alignment there. The A in the cart system is authenticity. What you see is what you get. You either love me or hate me and I'm okay either way, right? The next is the R in the cart system and that's reciprocity. I wanna make sure that I earn your trust, earn your like, earn your referrals. And the way I'm going to do that is invest in getting to know who you are, how you do business, what a good referral is for you, and do everything I can to connect the needs, wants, and desires in the world to your product, services, and solutions. And then the last, which is the most difficult for people, that's the transparency. So the transparency part, I guess I like to equate it to one of my favorite metaphors, and I say this very jokingly in training, when I used to train networking. So a guy goes out on a date, And he finds this incredibly beautiful woman. Takes him home. They have an amazing night. Wakes up in the morning. And there's this face. Like plaster painted on the pillow. And it's all her makeup. And he rolls over to kiss her on the cheek. And what's (laughs) laying next to him, he doesn't know. (laughs) And that's because... Who he brought home isn't who the person really was because the person hid behind all this makeup because that's who they thought people would want to see. And what happens is when someone shows up the way that we think they should or they think people want to see them, 
eventually who you are is going to get exposed. There's no ands or for buts. The real you will eventually stand up. And when that happens and that other person turns around and goes, who are you? Oh, I'm just comfortable enough now to show you the real me. And they turn around and go, but I don't like this you. I want the old you back, right? So I decided a long time ago, I'm going to be 100% transparent. What you see is what you get. Who you hear is who I am. What I have to say, I'm going to say to you or away from you. And that transparency has been an amazing filter. And also it's been a vulnerability magnet because it's allowed other people to be themselves too. I was just going to say that. I was going to ask if when you adopted that philosophy and you started um, implementing that, if you noticed that number one, it was easier for you to see through other people that weren't being vulnerable Mm -hmm. and number two, whether other people felt more comfortable to be themselves around you. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's also lost me some pretty big speaking engagements. Yeah, I think that when we're stuck in this entrepreneurial world, um, you know, most of the people that listen to this podcast are either in a nine to five trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how they can get into their own business or a side hustle, or they're just starting things out. Mm -hmm. And I know that those people feel like every opportunity has to happen. Like you have to grasp on to every single opportunity because you may not have another one come along. And so the Mm -hmm. fact that you just said that means... I I know that people need to hear that because those speaking engagements that you lost were speaking engagements that would have likely lost you so much more business down the road because you wouldn't have been being authentic. And then the people around you would be questioning, well, who am I actually doing business with? Which Mm -hmm. one is it? Like, Mm -hmm. it's not just that speaking engagement that we lose. It's the people that were attracted to who we are, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is so powerful for anybody that's in business to remember. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. I was told one time that I had to wear a dress on stage and I laughed and I said, I'd look like a friggin' drag queen. You're out of your mind. It's not going to happen. I'm a tomboy. I'm androgynous. What you see is what you get. And this is who I am. And I'm not going to be anything other than that. And it would be totally unfair to your audience for me to be inauthentic when I'm up there talking about authenticity. Yeah, I love that so much. And I went through a similar thing when I started my law firm because my law firm is very casual. I wear jeans to work every day. And I had so many people come to me and say, don't you think that they want to hire an attorney that looks like this? And I'm like, well, if that's what they want, then they should go hire an attorney that looks like that Mm -hmm. Um, because that's not me. And I'm not going to show up as somebody to get them to sign a retainer and then have them come back in two months to meet with me and find out who I really am. Um, Exactly. Because then you just end up like... For anybody that's just starting business, refund processes suck. So just Mm -hmm. avoid that completely. Mm -hmm. Um, We talk so much about authenticity and vulnerability on this show. But when I think about those things, one of the most powerful things that I've learned recently is somebody said to me once, um, the problem with the word authentic is that if you're trying to be authentic, you're not. And that hit me really hard because I have used the word, you know, I'm just trying to be authentic so many times. And then this person said, it's either something that you are or you aren't. And that made me rethink my use of the word authentic and replace it with honesty. Because I think like so many times we talk about authenticity and what we're really trying to do is be honest with ourselves. Can you kind of talk about the fact that 
or the idea behind the lies that we tell ourselves to convince mm. us that we're somebody else. Absolutely. And I'd like to make one point on that authenticity comment. There's no such thing as try. Yoda was an amazing philosopher. You either do or you do not. So you either are or you are not. You either are showing up one way or showing up another way. So it's that try word right there that became the speed bump to the reality. So let's get into to your question. The, the number one person that we lie to the most is ourself. See, our brain is incapable of achieving the difference between truth and fantasy. Science has proven that we, have, we were born an empty slate and we were imprinted between the ages of zero to seven. So everything that got etched into, I'm just gonna call it our computer operating system, got loaded between the ages of zero to seven. Then at eight, eight to 13, from eight to 13, we started practicing that program. It's known as modeling. So what happens is you have an eight year old sitting up at the switchboard running the itty bitty shitty committee, right? So this eight year old, it, it, it listens to everything you tell it. Think about it. The tooth fairy, the Easter bunny, Santa Claus. Sorry if you still, you know, if you fall in that arena that where you're a little shocked at what I just said, Amber, I know. <laughs> I know, you know, <laughs> it really hurts, but <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm my own Santa anyways, so. There you go. So, so these eight-year-olds have been programmed to believe everything we tell it. Well, that eight-year-old is sitting in your mind, running the switchboard of the itty-bitty shitty committee. So everything you tell it, it's got to believe because you're the influential parent. You're the influential adult and it's life. So when you turn around and say, my, my favorite thing people say is I've tried everything and it hasn't worked. And I'll look at them and I'll go, everything? Really? Yeah. So you called the entire phone book of residents in Korea. Well, no, I don't know anybody in Korea. Well, then you haven't tried everything. All right. Well, then let's just go to Arkansas. Did you call all the residents in Arkansas? I don't know anybody in Arkansas. Then you didn't try everything. See, what happens is, and then my next favorite thing to say is, so tell me what you did do. Oh, I called my friend Sally and I called George and I called my mom and dad. Oh, and I sent three emails. <laughs> okay, so that's all you did. Five things, and that's everything. See, what happens is, is everything we say we believe. And because we believe it, it shuts us down. And the only person that is going to stop the insanity is you. And that's where that conscious-unconscious integration comes from. So when you learn to get really real with yourself, when you learn to expose your blind spots, what you didn't know that you didn't know so that now you know, so that now you can do something about what you didn't know because now you know, you can then step into getting out of your way so you can get on your way so that you can have your way. There's so much there. And I really hope that people go back and listen to what you just said, because we um, talk about comfort zones so much and this comfort zone idea, you know, we talk about getting out of it and all of that stuff, but this is the first opportunity for people to hear why our comfort zones exist. Like the fact that they're created through by this eight-year-old that's in our head. And for those 
people that need a visual, the reason I started laughing when you were talking is for those people that need a visual. Um, I ran across the Listen Linda video again a couple of days ago. And now that I know what I know about neuro-linguistic programming, I actually sent that video to a mutual friend of ours and said, doesn't this sound like what your unconscious mind sounds like when you finally listen to it for the first time? Like, listen, Linda, listen to me. And so <laughs> that voice in your head, anybody who has like you do something that scares you and then you mm. want another taste of that because you didn't die mm. um, or you finally like take a deep breath and admit something that you've been denying to yourself and all of a sudden all these other things come up like that's your listen Linda inside your head mm -hmm. saying here I am <laughs> and people are finally getting to hear like some of the reasons behind why those exist and I, I will say, I want to comment really quickly because I used to have this horrible relationship with fear. And um, even up until recently, you know, silence that fear and move on. Like just, but somebody described it to me as like that fear in your head is doing like that loves you more than anything. Mm. It just doesn't realize that what you're afraid of could actually improve your life. Like it, it's afraid for you because it thinks that's what's best for you. And it's our job to figure out whether that's actually a true statement or not. Hmm. So that's an amazing comment. Yeah, I I um I fall in between because the people who listen know my story, you know my story about pushing mm -hmm. through fear. Mm -hmm. But there are some fears that we're not meant to push through. And I, I think it's important that we focus on our conscious mind enough and have people like you, a coach in our lives to help us understand the difference. So you mentioned something earlier that I would love for you to comment on, and that was the, you can't be part of the problem. Um, you can't be part of the solution if you're part of the problem. Mm -hmm. And that is a phrase that runs through my head all the time when I think that I can run my own life. Um, can you talk <laughs> about that just a little bit? Yeah. So what, what happens is change, change doesn't happen at a conscious level. Change only happens at an unconscious level. And what's really ironic about it, change happens in a second. And it's the second you decide to allow it to happen. But what happens is, is as you mentioned, we get so immersed, so entrenched in our gray zone, in our comfort zone, where we get stuck there because it's what we know. It's where we're comfortable, no matter how uncomfortable we are in this gray zone, we stay there because we know that discomfort far more than we know what's outside of that discomfort. So no matter how uncomfortable that comfortable zone is, doesn't matter if you're, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, doesn't matter if you're in an abusive relationship or if you're in a dysfunctional relationship, or if your boss is yelling at you, or if you're not making ends meet, it's what you know, so you'll stay there. You won't leave it to go change. Because what's outside of that zone, what's outside of that circle is the unknown. And that unknown is so uncomfortable because we don't know if it's good or bad, so we stay where we are. And what happens is we start playing games with ourselves to keep ourselves there, to convince ourselves that's better than what's outside of there. That's such a great explanation. 
Um, so I know that you have a ton of resources for people out there, starting with the networking. I know that you have um, a few books out there. One of my favorites is The Secrets to Becoming a Master Networker. If people want to pick that up, where can they track that down? Yeah, so uh, it's two places. Uh, it's on Amazon, Secrets to Becoming a Master Networker. I was very blessed to have uh, a dear friend of mine, Les Brown, write the foreword. Uh, Les actually uh, is a very large reason why my career catapulted the way it catapulted. He offered the right to forward to my book. He exposed it out to his entire community. We sold 30,000 books, became an international bestseller. So it is up on Amazon, both in paperback and Kindle. And it's also available on my website at pivotpointadvantage.com. Awesome. And then I highly recommend that anybody who's listening to this um, reach out to you if they have any interest in the neurolinguistic side of things. And I don't want to go too far into other programs because, um, well, I'm a lawyer and I know what happens when you do that. But um, <laughs> I would just um, encourage people to make sure that what they're using is a reputable source. And I know that you are one. So um, mm -hmm. anybody who is is thinking about wanting to know more about NLP, um, I would highly encourage that they they contact you. And how can they do that if they want to know more? Sure, absolutely. So my website is pivotpointadvantage.com all words, pivotpointadvantage.com. Uh, there's information on uh, my website about our trainings. Uh, and if you want to schedule a call with me, you can go to pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy, pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. And that'll send you over to schedule a 15 or 30 minute call with me. Love it. So before we move on to the success side of um, this podcast, I know that you have a really cool new project in a podcast of your own that you're starting. Mm. Um, how, is it how to sell without selling or just sell without selling? Sell without selling. Sell without selling. Can you talk about the inspiration behind that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I hear all the time, I'm not good at sales or sales is hard or I can't sell. Uh, or the sales process makes me uncomfortable. I hear that from entrepreneurs, mainly from sales professionals who can't make it work or from business owners who refuse to admit that they're actually salespeople. And I hear it a lot from women entrepreneurs immensely that they're not good at sales or they're not comfortable with sales or they're not good at closing or fill in the blank, whatever. I've, I've mastered the science of success and of selling from the sole pretense of I never sell, people always buy. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I've had people get very frustrated with me because I wouldn't talk to them about my products. And finally, I, I had someone slam the table and say, darn it, are you going to tell me what your product is? Because I'm already buying and I don't even know what it is. And I looked at them. And I just kind of smiled. So I kind of went into it. I don't sell. I, I don't. It doesn't mean that I'm not good at sales because I'll tell you my closing ratio is 88%. And the average salesperson closes 10% of the sales just because there's a need, want, and desire. A well-trained salesperson closes 30% of their sales because they're really good at the ninja negotiation techniques. I close 88% and I never sell. Um, I think that there's so much that people can learn from your podcast and I'm super excited to check it out myself because 
anytime I can tap into your brain for any amount of time is time well spent. Um, most of the time, I, I think there's some, some things. I, sometimes I don't want to know how Stacy's brain works, but um, <laughs> in the selling side of things I do for sure. Um, I think that it really hits home when you talked about, um, the fact that people say, I don't know how to sell because the, the wake up call for me when I decided to become an entrepreneur was I've been selling my whole life. Like I've had to sell myself to businesses, um, you know, jobs, colleges, like, you know, we've been convincing people to do things our entire life. Mm -hmm. And, um, the how to sell without selling, I think is super powerful because it, really highlights to me the fact that it's not a sales because I think we get that nasty gritty taste in our mouth when we hear the word sales it's mm -hmm. an exchange of value and services I have something that will improve your life and you have something that I want that's normally green and has dollar signs on it mm -hmm. um, in exchange for that or maybe you have a connection that I want or you know there's so many different ways than that 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 can be arranged that transaction but it's not selling as much as it is an exchange of value. Mm -hmm. It's an exchange of energy. Absolutely. Um, perfect. So your podcast, um, by the time this launches, will be out. Um, yep. Where can people track that down? Uh, everywhere. Anywhere podcasts are. Spotify, iTunes, you name it, it's going to be on every platform. Perfect. So we'll go ahead and post links to those in the show notes for everybody who wants to check that out as well. So I want to ask you really quickly, um, because this is the more than corporate podcast about defining your own idea of success. And so I ask every one of my guests this question, what specifically does success mean to you and how has that definition changed throughout your life? Wow. That's a phenomenal question. And it's an easy one for me to answer today. So for me, success is thriving in every area of my life where I am playing full out in a state of excellence in every area of my life, every second of every minute of every day, I strive to be the best person I can be that day in that area. To me, success is well-rounded. It's where I show up holistically in a state of excellence and in a state of service and in a state of presence and being. That's me today and how it's evolved over time. Oh, and I, I probably left out the most important foundation. Not only in a state of excellence, a state of presence, a state of being. Also 100% in service and of integrity. To me, that's success today. Before the younger Stacy it was money. Money defined me. Money defined me so much so that nothing else mattered. And I learned a long time ago and through a very painful lesson, you know, I'll, I'll share with you that I'm very educated. I, uh, I, have, I have my degrees, I have my certifications, and I also have a, PH, a million dollar PhD from the School of Hard Knocks. And that, that seven-figure printing business that I built, uh, my partner lovingly showed up the best way that he knew how to show up and left me with 16 cents in the bank and turned around and sued me the very next day. And I, uh, 
I found myself defending myself in federal court for being embezzled from, from someone who clearly just deployed that as a lifelong strategy and got pushed, it pushed me into bankruptcy where all my life, my net worth determined my self-worth. And I remember sitting in bankruptcy court with my head down and my bankruptcy attorney patting me on the knee and said, look, this court system is here for people like you. You'll get through this. It's not your fault this happened. Get the lessons from it. There are people in here that are in here every five years. The system wasn't built for them. The system was built for you. How much money you have in your bank isn't who you are. This has given you the chance to find out who you really are. And I looked up at him with tears in my eyes. And that was probably the best gift anybody could have given me at that time. And it made me realize that how much I have isn't who I am. And it helped me to learn there was so much more to life than what's in my bank account. And the day that I started loving myself for who I was, it allowed me to show up and love others for who they are. And then my definition of success kind of evolved as I transformed. And then as I transformed, the definition evolved, which then transformed what success meant to me, which then allowed me to evolve. And it became this, ev this, this ever-evolving cycle. And now I get to show up in a space of service to help people realize your net worth doesn't define your self-worth. Your self-worth defines your net worth. I love that so much. There's so many powerful things in there for people to take. And what was coming to me while you were talking was the fact that this is like a culture that especially um, throughout our education system, we're kind of drilled into. Like we're all trying to get into a career so that we know how much money we're going to make. And, mm -hmm. and there is, you know, this monetary side of things as in you need to be able to take care of yourself. Of um, but I don't necessarily think that the fulfillment side of that is talked about enough in those early ages. And I made this comment to somebody the other day and they brought up the very, very good point that I feel like I need to make here that we probably wouldn't listen anyways. If somebody mm -hmm. tried to start talking to us at like 12 about fulfillment, we would probably be like, why do I need that? Like, I just need money. Um, which I think is what's so powerful about your story and, you, and your answer to that question is we all have to learn that money doesn't define us in our own way. And as much as somebody else's story would try to tell us that, unfortunately, we have to live it no matter how many times we hear it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool because my, my daughter works for the company now and she, uh, we, we bought these amazing wall arts from a company called Iconic. And uh, I let her hand select the wall art for her wall. And she picked out the wall art of greatness. And I asked her why she did that. And she said, mom, because all my friends say that everything I have is given to me. 
and that sign reminds me to show up to be the best I can be so that I can earn everything I get. You have a pretty remarkable daughter. I'm <laughs> I really am. I'm very blessed. Yeah, she's pretty remarkable. Um, I want to follow up this conversation with this idea of fulfillment. One of the things that came to me after I started this podcast, it became very clear to me that the word success and fulfillment were being interchanged in a way that they're not really necessarily interchangeable. Like one, they are very different ideas, yet we use them for very similar feelings and experiences. So for you, what is the relationship between success and fulfillment? Does one come before the other or are they completely unrelated in your world? Hmm. Chicken and the egg, huh? So for me, they are oppositely synonymous. How's that? <laughs> the attorney in me is loving the evasion of this question. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me explain to you what I mean by oppositely synonymous. So I believe wholeheartedly without a shadow of a doubt that I could never, ever achieve the levels of success that I have today and be of service to so many so that they can achieve the levels of success that they've always desired, dreamed of, and deserved. Unless I take the time on a daily, weekly basis to continually self-fulfill, plug in, so that I can get in tune with my grounding, my peace, my harmony, my presence. and. That's how they're synonymous. How they're opposite is that biggest gift I gave, the lesson that my net worth didn't, de didn't determine my self-worth, taught me that as long as I have me, the most resourceful person in my life who runs my life, everything is attainable. Everything is possible. And everything is achievable. And it all starts with me. And the only way I exist is if I'm present, humble, full of gratitude, and grounded. Wow, that's powerful. Um, we talked so much about comfort zones and fear earlier. But I do want to ask, because no matter how comfortable you get with being uncomfortable there are still those moments where you find yourself on that ledge wondering how you're going to accomplish something mm -hmm. when you find yourself there what do you how do you push yourself out of that like how do you ground yourself and remind yourself that you need to keep moving forward <laughs> so you know me well enough to know that I don't think there's a day that I'm comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and because of that, I'm very comfortable being uncomfortable. And it allows me to push the boundary even more to the point where I sat on a television interview with ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox. And I remember being in the green room pacing, going, what is it that I have to say that these people could possibly want to hear? And then I stopped. And then I reminded myself, I'm here because there's one person that needs to hear me. And this is far greater than me. 
and false and far smaller than me. And for that reason, as long as I show up 100% of service and 100% presence, it really doesn't matter. And yeah, anytime I go out on stage, your podcast, starting my own podcast, that itty bitty shitty committee just fires every button. And I remember something I learned in the army. It reminds me I'm alive. And that's a beautiful gift. Wow. Yeah, that that's a powerful statement. Like, if we never felt that, like, are we really living our life at all? Mm. Um, and for those aspiring speakers that are listening, those people that are starting a blog, po- blog post or starting a podcast, you know, are out there starting to get their message out. Remember what Stacy just said, like every time you're in that position, whatever platform you're on, you were chosen in that platform for a reason. And you don't have to impact a million lives. You only have to impact one. Mm. Um, and I think that that's a super powerful thing. Like one person needs to hear your message and, and that takes a ton of pressure off. Um, that's super, super amazing. As far as your podcast is concerned, um, what, what impact, I guess, are you most excited to make with your Mm. podcast? I think that's a really easy question to answer in a very complex way. How's that? (laughs) So, I'm really excited. I, my entire life, the mission of my company is based on one foundation and that's transform the world. And that is a big mission. And the only way I can do that is to impact someone who's willing to impact someone who wants to impact someone. So I just want to touch one life who wants to touch another life. I say all of that to say, I want to help people shift their mindset. I want to help people shift their life and their results. I want to help people get out of the way so that they can have their way so that they can get on their way. I want to help people make shift happen. I want to help people live their most excellent life. A super powerful mission um, and an impact that I'm sure that you will make in more than one person's life. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. I think that this has been such a valuable, valuable interview for so many different people that are listening. Um, before we wrap up, I would love to lighten the mood a little bit and let everybody get to know you with a quick random round. Are you okay with that? I'm fine with that. All right. If you could have any profession other than what you're currently doing, what do you think it would be fun to attempt? Professional poker player. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I think, um, I think there are some professional poker players that would have a run for their money. <laughs> um, if you could time travel, where would you go and why? Oh, wow. I think I'd want to go back to the days where Tesla and Edison existed and just really get in their heads. A lot of, a lot of knowledge there. Phenomenal innovators. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and, and so much too of like 
we have innovators now that are doing amazing things, but our world is so amazing that we're just waiting for that next thing to come out to be back mm-hmm. then where people thought they were crazy yeah. for what they were doing. And yeah. yet they still pushed through. Yeah, they did. I mean, they were frowned upon. They were, they were accused of being witches or and they were just way ahead of their times. Incredible yeah, absolutely. Um, books. Do you like listening to them or reading them? Both. Both. So I'm a very visual person. So when I drive, I like, when I drive or travel, I like to really listen to a lot of audibles, a lot of podcasts. Uh, However, I am a content geek. I have over a thousand books on my Kindle, probably about 2000 books in my library and about 700 on my audible. So just a little bit, just a little little library. Yeah, just a little one. I, I, I try to digest seven to 10 books a month. Okay. Um, what book do you think you've recommended to people the most? Oh, wow. Book I recommended to people the most would have to be, wow, there's so many of them, uh, probably The Purple Storm. Uh, no, I lied. I was going to say Robert Kiyosaki, but it isn't. Peaceful Warrior. Oh, see, I haven't read that book yet, but I did watch the movie Mm -hmm. and the movie is super powerful. And I normally connect with books more than movies. So I have the book. I just haven't read it yet. Thank you for reminding me. I bought that book. All three of them are good. So, uh, way of the way of the peaceful warrior journey of the peaceful warrior, and then journey with Socrates. Phenomenal books. Love it. Um, Morning routines. I have recently discovered that they are not optional. Um, If you want to have a successful day, Um, do you have one? And if so, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So I I typically wake up at about 4.35 o'clock. I will meditate for about 10 minutes in bed. And then I roll over. I'll read for a half hour. Then I get up. I work out. After I work out, I meditate again, and then I start my day. I like it. And I like the simplicity of it because I feel like so many people feel like they need to add 27 things to their morning routine in order to make it successful. I mean, someone could be the person talking. So um, (laughs) just saying, throwing that out there before you get a chance to. Um, So I love how simple it is. Yes, yes. All right. Last question, because I am a music nerd. Do you have a pump up song that you listen to? I know it probably changes a ton, but what are you listening to now that kind of gets you motivated and gets you out of bed? Mm. So there's three and all three determine what mood I'm in. So uh, when I want to stand in my empowerment, I listen to Champion from Carrie Underwood. When I just want to be a badass, I listen to Legendary. When I want to be reminded that who I am is the most important thing in the world, I listen to This Is Me. So you can tell that some of the guests that we've had on this show know Stacy because I think that I have gotten that answer in one form or another more than once when I asked that question guess, <laughs> in the show. Um, because we are all so impacted by the, cert- by the place that you have in our lives. Um, and anybody who has spent any time with you knows that, you know, songs become an important part of our training world. And so um, there's, there's a bunch of power in music and um, 
I think that those three songs are super, super powerful. They, they, they mean everything to me. I love it. Well, again, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show with us one more time for those who did not catch it or, um, earlier. If people want to connect with you, what is the best way for them to reach out to you? Absolutely. So uh, they can jump on my website to schedule a 15 minute call with me at pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. And if you want to join our sell without selling community on Facebook, just hop over to Facebook and it's sell without selling community on Facebook. Perfect. And again, we'll throw those links in the show notes so you can have easy access to those. Thanks again, Stacey. I really appreciate your time. It's been amazing. Amber, thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in.